I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game. Between the time when gamers played with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the Coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing undreamed of. And onto the Skygats, destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow. It was given to teach us all how to roll for initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Red volume number three, issue number 128 of the Roll for Initiative podcast. The only podcast about Advanced Dungeons and Dragons First Edition. I am DM Vince, sitting with DM Matt. Hello, everyone. And DM Chad. Yo. Not here this week is DM Nick because he's at a birthday party. Yay, Nick. A surprise birthday party that's not his surprise birthday party, but was a surprise to him. Yeah, it was a surprise to him, is right. <laughs> His wife kept it such a secret, not even he knew. Yeah. Anyway, so we're back for another fantastic episode, and we're going to be doing a look back episode. A lot of people like these episodes where we look back at other game systems that were around during the time of AD&D, first edition. So uh, what are we going to look at this week, Matt? We'll be looking at a game that we all love, the Marvel Superheroes RPG by TSR. Yes. Yay. Yay, yes. It's a fun system. I've spent many, many hours as a child and even as an adult playing because it's just still awesome to this day. Excelsior. Excelsior, indeed. Excelsior, yeah. And this is definitely a staple game at the Dead Game Society, Chad, right? Oh, that is correct, True Believers. At the Dead Game Society, we love to play Marvel. It's just a it's a fun game. It's an easy game to to play on the fly, and it's a fun game to plan out ahead of time. There's not real much effort going into this game thinking about how to play it and how to do it. You can just read through the book in one night and know how to play the next day. I mean, you don't have to read every single page and know how to play every single rule. Uh, no, Th- this game is very much once you understand the basic mechanics of you roll a pair of percentile. You cross-reference a chart and look at the color. Depending on the color, that's how well you succeeded or failed. Exactly. I always love games where they have some sort of a resistance chart or or a chart like this where you can really just kind of go across and down, and you get your result. Yeah. With this, it's very it's easy to explain, and it's easy to adjudicate because you don't have to worry about, well... It would be 3d6 if you're falling this height, and it becomes 4d6 if this. No, you don't worry about that. You're just like, eh, feels like this. Boom, go. And as a person running the game, you can always uh, use the chart as a sliding scale based on what you think the player is doing. You can give them column shifts or column penalties. Right. If you're trying, you you take their the base ability that they would be using for the check, and if they're trying to accomplish something that's a rank higher then they're at you give them a negative one column shift whatever the difference is between what they're trying to accomplish and where they actually are 
Or if it's extra easy, you give them bonuses. It, it's real simple. Very good game. Uh, both There are two versions to the game. There's the original uh, Marvel superheroes, uh, often called the basic version. And then there's also the more commonly played advanced Marvel superheroes. And both were written by Steve Winter uh, and both were designed by Jeff Grubb. Yeah, absolutely. Both are good, but the basic one basically gives you the uh, option only play named superheroes. It doesn't give you many rules for creating your own. Well, limits uh, the powers. And, well, okay, yeah, go on. They, they, there's actually a 1989 basic edition where you had some uh, more character creation options, wow. and it also came with the uh, map that uh, lines up nicely with the map from the advanced set, so you can expand your city. So that I actually have the 1989 edition of the basic set. So, I yeah, and you know one thing about the the basic version, I think when it first came out, uh, the, the the rules were given in a 16 page what they called the battle book, and it was really more designed for a fast paced mechanic for canon superhero battles. So your canon characters, Daredevil. Wolverine, uh, it gave it gave stats for them. Uh, the stats are never that long in this game, so it's not like you spend two days creating a character. You create it very fast using what they call the face rip system. Face rip being fighting, agility, strength, endurance, reasoning, intuition, and psyche. No, you don't actually rip your face off. That's correct, right? No. Yeah, it's yeah. You're not turning into Leatherface. No, and uh, let's get, jump a little bit into this chart and the stats, since people are probably saying, what do they mean by chart and columns and stats and everything like that? So at the back of every one of these books, a little Shatner-ish for you there, sorry. The back of each one of these books, there's a chart on the back, that's the, the range of what the powers could possibly be, going from feeble all the way up to beyond, with his infinity symbol. I love the beyond infinity symbol. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you have your shift ranks. If you really want to get into the likes of, say, the Beyonder or the Celestials. Absolutely. And the ranks in between, basically, most of your heroes will fall anywhere between feeble to probably amazing when you first create them. You might get some monsters depending on if you have uh, like an alien type character or... I think that's basically maybe uh, you could probably get uh, uh, unearthly if you use your uh, column shift bonus from like being an altered human and you happen to roll like a monstrous. Um, Well, actually, no, altered humans cannot roll monstrous. They can only roll amazing. Robots and aliens are probably the closest ones that can get to unearthly. Yeah, it's interesting because in the actual box set rules for uh, for the advanced game, and for the, I, I think for most of the time, if you're listening, uh, we'll be referring to the advanced system of the rules, unless uh, otherwise uh, we say differently. But it, it's not really until you get into the Ultimate Powers book uh, that you have the options so much for the unearthly and higher ranks which would be more suitable if you were playing what a lot of times people call a cosmic-powered game, utilizing gods and heralds of Galactus and that sort of thing. When you're hanging out with Terax and Silver Surfer, you need some unearthly ranks. Exactly. And and something I think that we should also uh, specify 
is when we talk about these ranks, we're really getting into initially or what they call origins in the game. And it's the first thing you have to do when you're creating a character in this game is you have to figure out what kind of hero are you? Are you a street type fighter like Daredevil or Punisher? Or are you a maybe what I call a mid range uh, brawler like Spider-Man who has the ability to bench press 10 tons, but he's going up against primarily foes in that same kind of strength or power range. And then, of course, you have your Avengers-level heroes, and now you're getting into ranks like Amazing, Monstrous, and even Unearthly. Yeah. The best thing, I think, of this whole entire thing is just everything can be randomly rolled. You don't have to actually make sit there and make decisions on a lot of things in this. Or you can make a decision. It's up to your GM. But I suggest randomly rolling your character with a percentile dice and following along with the charts. Right. What do you guys think about that? Oh, that's the way I do it. When I ran Marvel for my home group recently, we created all of our characters via random rolling. And it was fun. We We just rolled our our raw stats and then we're, then we just sat around and like okay let's make up backstories and link everyone together and make our superhero groups and it's actually a neat exercise in creativity yeah. when trying to make sense of these seemingly random powers and abilities yeah and that's a great point that you bring up is how do you go about in your campaign assigning powers and and creating these these heroes because there's really two schools of thought in this one of which being the completely random let's start from scratch i have no idea what kind of hero i'm going to end up with but i'm going to roll everything random and then at the end i'm going to try to make sense of it all and put it in some sort of cohesive uh form the other school of thought is the GM sits down with the players and each already has in mind the type of hero or villain possibly that they want. And the GM will then work with them using the existing powers shown in either the box set or if you're using the ultimate powers book, which I actually do when I run the game, uh, they can find the an equivalent or specifically those powers and assign those just simply statically. The only thing with the Ultimate Powers book is you need to yeah you need to realize it wasn't play tested. This it's basically a giant brainstorming book where they sat exactly. they sat down and brainstormed every possible power you could think of and they wrote out what they thought would be decent mechanics for it. They didn't actually play test them all. So yeah, you, now they do give weaknesses in it though or limitations. But yeah, you're right. You have to be very careful with that book if you're running the game, right. not to let the game get out of hand. Or, or you have to be uh, really creative and putting situations before your players that get around the brokenness of their powers without seeming overly contrived. What, what I found is, yeah, they may have these magical powers. They can still only do one thing at a time. So I you just throw a lot going on at them simultaneously. So they have to be, okay, do we save the child? Do we stop the burning building? Oh, no, that bus is going off a bridge. What do you do? You can't do all of them at the same time. Exactly. And don't be afraid as the GM, especially when using the Ultimate Powers book. It's almost a, re- a prerequisite to run the, to run a game using that book. <laughs> you're going to have to – you're going to really have to get in there and start – putting some limitations on powers to make things 
you don't want to you don't want to box the players into this feeling you know it is a superhero game the players are supposed to feel like they can do amazing things but at the same time you don't want it to be like i think as you were saying matt in a prior episode if you have powers like Circe, where you can turn a person into a chicken, you don't want to let that get out of hand. Right. So that was me. I had a character in my actual play podcast. I kept turning everything into chickens and cats, cats and everything else like that. Yeah. He was the cat lady. He was called and he yeah. would turn all the, all the NPCs into cats. So I was like, ah, Oh, in my group, they liked, uh, turning, uh, body parts of people into, uh, oxygen well that's cool yeah all right yeah so they were doing they would but they would do that with any villain any villain they wanted to capture that would try to run from them their feet are now oxygen thud <laughs> which you know if you if you're you have a player that has that power then you can start imposing things like okay you turn their feet into oxygen you just cut several of their major ar- arteries and they're subsequently going to bleed to death very soon, and you are going to be left with absolutely no karma. Oh, I did that. I fully did that, and then then they would go. One of them happened to be a medic. So they would then go and treat and stabilize the person. Oh. <laughs> well, that's okay. I and then I actually had two players that with that power. <laughs> It was just looted. They both randomly rolled that power to convert organic matter to an element. I think I would start hitting them, though, with if you even if you know you're going to treat them, it's like the serial killer who keeps his victim alive. It's it's a, it's torture. It's very cruel. And you're obviously pre-planning it. So yeah. your karma is going away. Right. I would yeah, I actually did have one player remove the pinky of someone they were interrogating, and I'm like, yeah, that's torture. Boom, you take the penalty, because there is a karma hit for that. But as for just general maiming during combat, there's not. No. You're right, and that's when the GM's got to start thinking of other things to hit the players with if should they try to do something like that, because this is a hero game. And while the heroes are fighting, for the most part, villains, if they start acting like villains themselves in their tactics or using tactics that a villain would have no problem using, then now the players are also going to have other heroes coming after them, much as when the Punisher had Daredevil coming at him. Right. Right. They were definitely floating that anti-hero line in some ways. What I did, they converted uh, Sabretooth's feet to oxygen and were able to capture him that way. But Sabretooth regenerates, so once he was stuck in Riker's Island, I had his feet grow back, and then you had a Sabretooth loose in Riker's Island. So they had to go catch him and stop him from, like, killing all the guards. Matt, when you they change his feet to oxygen, does that automatically seal the bottom where no. the feet or the blood wouldn't come flying out. No, the blood comes flying out and all of that, but then they have a pair they had a, literally had one of their players rolled medic as a skill. Medicine is a skill. And he and his backstory was he worked at a hospital as a nurse. So he would run up and boom treat him to stop the bleeding. <laughs> Turn a kid and they they actually had some thought in this. Yeah, well, I think that's a good idea. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I think, uh, you know, the way you were running it sounds like a, a very good way to go about it. Yeah, they, they actually had my players were thoroughly enjoying it, even though at times I'm like, I was afraid they wouldn't be challenged or not have fun, but they totally did. At one point, they saved a bunch of uh, animals that Craven had kidnapped from the zoo. And there was a big fire at the warehouse at the same time, and some of the animals escaped, and some of them ended up getting killed by the players. <laughs> but they were all burnt up, so uh, PETA ended up contacting the players and wanted them to speak at a uh, fundraising rally for for helping animals because they saved all these to get the publicity. So my players are like, ooh, let's make a parade down New York and collect money for like the animals. And just oh okay. So they started to even go that wacky because they were trying to build up their own super group. So that was their way of getting publicity because popularity also matters in this game as well. All right. Since we're throwing around so many terms and people are like karma, popularity, this, that. Let's take you through a little walk through the character creation guide of uh, Advanced Marvel here. Once you flip open your player's book, if you have one, or if you don't have one, you can always go to classicmarvelforever.com and find them for free. So flip over to page five, where the character creation officially starts. Now, this is up to your GM, or up to you, basically your group, you can decide, or obviously the GM, what you want to do. Do you want to just roll everything, or you just want to pick? Most GMs probably are going to make you roll things. Some GMs just say, eh, pick. And most you, Matt, you like me, you like to just roll everything out. Chad, what, are you a roller or a picker? You know, it depends. Uh, it, a lot of it depends on the group that I'm playing with. But to be uh, on average, I like to roll everything because I think one of the the parts of the game that's most fun is just seeing what kind of hero you're going to end up with. Correct. I, I agree. So what we have here, we have the races, so to speak, altered human, mutant, a high tech, a robot and an alien. And these are often called origins. So when we use the term origin, we're talking about what is the origin of your heroic powers. How he was created or where he came from. Like Chad said, origins. Each has a very detailed description, gives you what each origin bonus you get or penalty, depending on what you roll. And you follow along with it. Exactly. And they'll give a chart if you look at page six. You're going to see a chart, and sorry if I faded out there a little bit. I was looking away. But, yeah, you're going to get uh, – you're going to roll randomly to just, first of all, find out the origin of your powers. And based upon what origin you come up with, as Vince was saying, altered humans, mutants, high tech, each of these has their own D100 uh, spread which you are from then going to use as you create your attributes. Correct. And then based upon your origin, you would look on the next page six and then start rolling up your attributes. Based on the attributes, you would have a limited range or a range of possibly all of them on there. For example, the mutants and altered humans would have a range all the way up from, from feeble to amazing. While robots would have everything all the way from feeble to monster. So it all depends on your backstory or origin, as Chad was saying. After we do it for each of them, we roll on the chart listed here. And say, for example, 
Chad, you picked a, uh, you got an altered human, for example, when you were rolling in my game. And then you rolled, I don't know, give me a number. Uh, let's say I rolled a 32. So I put my finger on the chart here, and the altered human is 32. It looks like Chad's got the good for his first roll. So he would write down under his little face rip, he would write down a good of eight, which is the rank number of good, eight. Am I correct on that? Yes. That is correct. And it's important at this point to make a distinction between regular or basic Marvel superheroes and advanced Marvel superheroes because in the basic set, they did not give ranges. They simply gave a, one static number. Say if you had a ability that was ranked good in the original game, they simply said, okay, then you have a 10 in that. And that 10 corresponds with the name good. But in the advanced version, now you're working with ranges. So if you have a power or attribute that's ranked good and it's your own character and you're just making them up for the first time, now you have this range of 8 through 15 10 being kind of the mean average, also used for the actual canon heroes and villains. But if for your brand spanking new hero, you're going to use the lowest number within that range, which for good would be eight. Cool. So we did roll up our own characters so we can follow. You guys can get a good example of what things happen. And uh, we're going to go over just the the attribute part, and we're going to hear from Matt on this part. Matt? Yeah. What I did is first I rolled my origin, and I got Altered Human. So, so at that point, I went to the Altered Human chart and started to roll, and I actually rolled fairly well. For my fighting, I got Incredible uh, at a 36. Uh, good for a 6. Uh, remark- well, actually, no, good would be... As I draw eight, that's right. Yeah, normally it follow. Once you hit good, everything goes up by ten. But with uh, feeble and poor and typical, those go two, four, six for your average. Um, the for agility, I got good. Uh, remarkable for my strength. Uh, endurance was excellent. I had remarkable for reason. Uh, intuition. I actually rolled a hundred, which is like the best you can do, and I got amazing. And then Psyche, remarkable. So he's well above average because your typical human in this game caps out at excellent. That's like Olympian level in the physical realm or super genius in uh, the mental uh, skills. So overall, it was a nice little mix. So once we have our primary abilities covered, which is our attributes, as Matt has gone through, the next thing we need to decide are our secondary abilities. Now, the secondary abilities are going to be health, karma, resources, and popularity. These are very important because this is going to determine how much life does your character have. That's his health. How how karma is going to be karma. Good things happen. Bad things happen. Karma can be spent on a number of things. Resources, of course, meaning how much capital does your character have? Is he Tony Stark or is he Spider-Man who can barely make the rent payments? And, of course, finally, there's popularity. Are you Captain America or are you Wolverine? 
So let's start off with health. Health is, first of all, determined by taking your fighting agility, strength, and endurance scores. And as we mentioned, it's not the percentile role that you made. It's after you make the percentile role and find out the column that you're in, you then take the opening number of the range for that column. So if you have, in the case of a character that I made, say a fighting of incredible, you have 36. If you have an agility of good, you have eight. If you have a strength of remarkable, you have 26. And if you have an endurance of remarkable, you have another 26. Add these all together and you get a health of 96. Next thing. Now, the thing to remember real quick about health is this is how much damage you can take. So if you're a brick, you're going to have a very high health. If you are not a brick, but you're more of, say, a psychic-powered person, such as Psylocke, then you're probably going to have a lower health. The next thing is karma. Karma is a reflection of the good deeds that you do. It's one of the attributes that's probably most like experience points. And karma can actually be spent uh, should you be find yourself in the middle of a battle and you need to use your power and you really need it to work, you can spend your karma to make it work. And there are other ways you can work with karma. You can do karma pools, but that we could get into later. Uh, so karma, how do you figure it out? Well, just like you figured out health by totaling up attributes, now with karma, you're going to total your reason, your intuition, and your psyche. Say you have, as in the case of my hero, a reason of five, which gives makes him typical. He's a regular human as far as uh, his intelligence is concerned. An intuition of incredible which gives him 36 points, and a psyche of poor, which gives him only three points. Total all those up, and now he starts the game with 44 points of karma, if I got my math correct. Finally, or actually, I'm sorry, not finally, you have your resources. Again, how much money do you have? If you're a high-tech person, you're going to have uh, more resources, and this is reflected in the fact that you get, I believe, a plus one or plus two column shift on your resources starting out. So whatever you roll for your resources, and resources are not done through adding up attributes. That's actually a roll that you make another percentile. Like you did with your attributes, you're going to find out where that puts you, and then you're going to have the opening number of that range. So if I rolled and my resources came out to be good, I start with an 8. Now, with that, I now have a good idea of how wealthy my character is. <laughs> but uh, the next thing we need to do is going to be our popularity. Popularity is how does the public view your hero? Do they see you as Captain America or do they see you as one of those muty scum vigilantes? Again, origin plays a big part on this. Mutants never start with anything higher than a zero. And if you have a secret identity, your popularity goes down further by minus five. And for a mutant with a secret identity, they start out at minus five. 
but and also secondary. Yeah, but also keep in mind, you have a popularity for your secret identity as well. Exactly. You have, if you do have a secret identity or an alter ego, you're really going to have two different scores for popularity. The one for your secret identity hero, and then, of course, the one just for your character when he's not in his cape and tights. Right. So in the case of a mutant, his secret identity will probably be far more popular than he is because the secret identity isn't a known mutant. Exactly. Most mutants are going to want a secret identity for the simple fact that they're not very popular to begin with, and they do suffer from prejudice. Right. Yep. Now, if you decided to run some sort of alternate universe game where everyone loved mutants, then okay, you might change some of the negative popularity modifiers to a mutant. But right, in the you could give him a plus five in a, in that situation, perhaps. right? But in the base game, no one likes a mutant, <laughs> so it's best not to advertise who you are in real life. It might be a good idea to wear a mask. Yeah, is the Marvel Soul Universe uh, hateful towards mutants? I, I'm not really keeping uh, up. Very I, much so, actually. Oh, that yeah. was one of the things that uh, Stan Lee really, when he created the X Men, one of the principal forces behind his creation of that team was he wanted to make a public statement about racism in uh, within the United right. States and the world at large. And without getting into too much of a political uh, uh, soapbox, he decided to go with mutants. Yep. Um, in the current Marvel Universe, yeah, mutants are rather hated. For a while, they were kind of popular. The X-Men moved out to uh, San Francisco, started a base because that's where they were the most accepted, hired a PR firm, started building things up. Then the uh, Phoenix Force started coming to Earth, and uh, Cyclops kind of went nutty and was like, oh, no, we must protect Hope because... Due to stuff that happened in the House of M, Scarlet Witch basically went nutty and killed herself and stopped all mutants, all mutant births. And there was one, but there was one mutant that was born, and she was called Hope. And Cyclops got obsessed with her it, because she, if she was born, that means more mutants can be born. And he basically kind of became Magneto. And instead of wanting to fight the Phoenix Force, because the Phoenix Force is typically evil, uh, he decided to embrace it because that'll give him the power to create more mutants. And that led to the Avengers versus X-Men thing, the all kinds of chaos and Psychops blowing off Professor X's head and killing him. And yeah, a big old mess. And let's just say, yeah, people really, really hate mutants because and Cyclops is currently arrested. He may be out, but I... I'm not sure because I stopped reading X-Books because I truly hate Cyclops. He's a horrible, horrible character and a giant. Yeah. yeah. And if you happen to like Cyclops, well, that, we don't all hate him. Um, he abandoned his wife and kids in the 80s. Oh, as Wolverine often calls him, he's, he's got something stuck up his butt. Yeah. <laughs> he, is a bit of a, he is a bit of a uh, kind the, of a... Yeah. He's he's kind of he's ramrod straight. Oh, not anymore. He's got no is he totally went. What I don't care if I destroy the world if there's hope of more mutants being born. That's his mindset. <sighs> yes, but well, anyway, mm -hmm. but oh, anyway I was say, speaking of how the mutants are 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 disliked, I mean, one need look no further than Project Wide Awake. 
which uh, came about because of the death of Senator Kelly. Uh, I believe he was assassinated by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And already there was a lot of anti-mutant sentiment going through the United States. And with his death... It was really the straw that broke the camel's back, and, and, and this gave birth to Project Wide Awake, which was the genesis of the Sentinels. Yes, the giant mutant-killing robots. And that ultimately, at least in an alternate universe, finally culminates into a very dystopian society, uh, which was called Nightmares of Futures Past. Right, yeah, the, and actually they're making a movie of that next year, The Days of Futures Past. So that mm-hmm. will actually, that story will actually be brought to the big screen. That yeah. should be really good. I'm very curious to see how they do Phoenix, uh, Rachel Summers, which was not the original Phoenix, but the second Phoenix, the daughter, you might say, of... Uh, Marvel Girl, a.k.a. uh, Jean Grey. (laughs) Jean Grey. Just totally mind-blanked on that. But yeah, uh, Rachel Summers uh, becomes Phoenix also, but she starts off as what is called a hound. And hounds were mutants that were subjugated by the Sentinels and their powers perverted to the use of finding other uh, other outlawed mutants who were currently off the grid. So, yeah, Future Past becomes a very nasty alternate timeline in which a lot of the X-Men are actually dead by that point in history. And I believe Kitty Pride is is the leader of what's left of the Resistance. Right. And then, of course, Wolverine's around because he never dies. Of course, but even he's got some streaks of gray through those that wild hairdo of his. Yeah, and I do believe actually he does die in future past. Uh, he gets disintegrated by a sentinel, and all that's left is his mantium skeleton. Yeah, which itself does not heal. Right. But knowing Marvel, there is probably like a little bit of DNA left, and all of a sudden, a few weeks later, oh, there's a full Wolverine. Yeah, you never know. That could definitely have happened and definitely could happen if you're running a campaign based around the future past, which they did make a series of modules for. But that said, I will say one more thing, and that was uh, a lot of the anti-mutant sentiment was uh, fostered along, you might say, uh, through the ironic uh, machinations of a particular uh, mutant known as the Black King of the Hellfire Club, which was Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. And it was for pure greed because he was the one who was producing the Sentinels. And so it was basically, he was a defense contractor and it was money in his pocket. So anyway, that said, uh, I think we have gone through the secondary abilities now of health, karma, resources, And and popularity. Yes, and Marvel history for the past 25 years. <laughs> yeah. As I wrestle the mic away from the two of you. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't keep up with Marvel comic books as well as you guys do. I'm more of a DC fan as far as that's concerned. Well, my knowledge ends actually at the end of the 80s because I really started collecting around 1981 and I collected all the way up to 1990. 
And then, especially with uh, X-Men, but after the X-Men went through the Siege Perilous and everything got totally scattered, I, I really kind of stopped collecting at that point. Yeah, and then I actually started collecting shortly after you stopped. <laughs> so between <laughs> well, the combined, both... then we cover the '80s and the '90s. Yes. So, but anyway, back to actually the game as opposed to this week in Marvel history. Yeah, that's right. Because I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vince, why don't you go ahead then and describe the special ability? Absolutely. Now it comes to the what I call the cool part or the fun part, finding out what your character can actually do is powers. Now, with my character, uh, he was an alien origin character, which allowed him to roll and uh, not really have any restrictions except for, I believe, looking back here, was only on his contacts. When you roll for the special abilities, you have your powers, your talents, and your contacts. Powers, obviously what your character can be, what what kind of power he has, what can he do. The talents are basically professions, skills, background type things, uh, like fighting styles. And contacts would be obviously, like pretty much the word says, contacts. Who does he know? What can he go to for a go-to answer? Or who does he call for help? Or maybe he knows the Avengers and he's like, oh, I need to call the Avengers to help me out, find this lost Ark of the Covenant, that stupid thing that floats around all the time. Right, guys? Exactly. You could be Peter Parker and know every other hero in the entire Marvel Universe, or you could be the Punisher and really not have anyone to go to. Yeah, and your only go-to person being dead. That's right. You pretty much live in a van down by the river. (laughs) So this is also a random role, and I don't know if a GM would let you pick on this because obviously if you're the pick on this chart you're going to be like cool I'm going to pick the highest thing possible five powers four talents and three out of four contacts so I'm going to say you roll Chad are you allowing people to pick on there I don't think so right well with with for me with contacts that's one of the things I like to think a GM needs to work out on a sidebar with the player now obviously you're if if you only have one contact, you really need to make it your character's hero group uh, because they are going to be a contact for him. Wolverine can call on the X-Men. But if you have more than one contact, it's not so much, uh, you know, if I played Wolverine and I made him up, I can't just say, well, I want the Avengers. Well, if you only have two contacts and you say, I want the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, it doesn't make any sense because you obviously have the X-Men as contacts and you probably have the New Mutants. So for me, it's more of a... You, you have to get the the most obvious ones out of the way first. And then if you have anything left, you can start looking at other groups or, or powers. I found in my time of playing this game to leave contacts blank when you first create your character, unless obviously you're making up something like Wolverine, like you said, uh, to leave it blank, because you find that you'll gain a lot of contacts as you create your character, or I shouldn't say create, as you're playing your character, you'll gain a lot of contacts, but also while you're creating your character, you might think of some other things, and maybe your, your GM might suggest something, so leave it blank to the end, that's my suggestion, and then make those up. Yeah, it's like you, what I usually do is contacts is the very last thing of character creation after a concept if it's actually doing develop for the character. So that way you can actually pick something that makes sense. 
And also, if you have a secret identity, that contact may actually be for the secret identity, not the superhero. Exactly. If Peter Parker shows up at the Avengers mansion, he's probably not getting in. They don't know who he is. Right. So, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. So you have to keep in mind when it, if you choose to have a secret identity, all certain things will only apply to either your costume hero or your secret identity. That's where the split popularity comes in. And also the contacts. It may hit the point where you really need something and they only know your secret identity. You may need to take your mask off and reveal to them who you are to get what you really need. Very true. Very, very true. So what you can do here is uh, based upon your origin, you get to either just roll straight on the chart here or you may have a restriction like only have one or two or three powers maximum. But you can roll on this chart and let it rip. And generally, you can get anywhere from two to five powers as your starting powers. Generally, you're going to have at least two, maximum five, just to start. Now, I'm not positive because I've never had characters do this. Chad, can they buy new powers in the game later on? Oh, sure. As you're playing the game, you are going to get more experience or karma. And with that, you can start getting more powers. And now how many more powers you can eventually have is actually dictated when you do roll on that table that specifies powers, talents, and contacts. Because in the case of my mutant, uh, he has powers. He starts with three, but his potential is only four. So through the course of the game, he could only get one more power. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, and the same thing will also apply to talents and contacts as well. You have how many you start with and the max you're allowed to accrue over the course of the game. Yeah, and that's one of those things uh, that I tend to be a little more relaxed on, especially contacts, simply because if you reach your total of contacts yet, say, you help out – uh, you help out Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four, then odds are you are now going to be able to call the Fantastic Four an additional contact. So again, you could you could play it by the book if you want to, uh, or you know you can be a little more relaxed in right. that uh, upper limit or potential. Yeah, I've always treated contacts as someone you have a really really strong relationship you've known for years, so it's more of like a deeper bond than one, like a friendship you would strike up through the course of role-playing. So I'd be like, yeah, you know Reed Richards, and he owes you a favor. Okay, you can call that in. He doesn't doesn't necessarily make him a contact. Yeah, so, more of an acquaintance, I suppose. Right. Hmm. I see. Yeah, it's not like you're Elaine from Seinfeld, and you can only have room for three friends in your life, and you can't have any more, so... Well, she would be yeah, the true exactly. by-the-book player. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I guess if you're looking at it really by the book, you know, let's look no further than The Beast, right? Uh, he could have the X-Men. Well, he would have the X-Men. He would probably have the New Mutants. Uh, actually, he might not have the New Mutants. Uh, I don't believe he was actually... No much around with the X-Men. No, or at least, he spent some time with the X-Men while they were around in the 80s, but he was not really doing a lot with the X-Men at that time. So New Mutants might be more of an acquaintance, but definitely he could call upon the Avengers as a contact. Right. I've always treated contacts, though, instead of letting them pick a super group, 
they have to pick a specific member of the supergroup. Hmm. So, okay. So that way you just can't call up any Avenger because there's like 50 Avengers the way, the way they've had uh, recruitments at times. So this way it's like you have a really good rapport with like say Hawkeye as my character does. And at that point, if you need something from the Avengers, you have to go through Hawkeye. Whereas if you were to call up the just call up the Avengers mansion and get a hold of Jarvis, he'd be like, oh, you well, um, here, let me put you on hold for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or if you're Steve Rogers and you want to get a hold of S.H.I.E.L.D., you're probably going to try to go through Nick Fury as opposed to Bob Blakely, the, the yes. on call. <laughs> you're not going to talk to the receptionist. You can go straight to Nick. Exactly. Right, which actually, in my home game, I actually did have them try to get a hold of the Avengers, and they could never get past the butler. Because no. they didn't have a contact, and they're like, who are you people? As he's, like, thumbing through his registry as superheroes. Nope, haven't heard of you. Uh, Avengers are busy right now, but if you leave a message, I'll have Captain America contact you at his earliest convenience. This, this is how I've done contacts in the past. I've done contacts unlimited. You can have as many contacts as you get in contact with, obviously, just like friends, pretty much. Matt has his way. Chad has his way. My way is this. Say you're, you're an adventure. you fighting when the Avengers show up. You fight with the Avengers. You get friendly with them. You add them as a contact. They also have a rank next to it, and they start a typical. Now, let's say you go through another session of the game and you don't speak to the Avengers, okay? You go through another session of the game, you don't speak to the Avengers, and it goes down a rank to poor. It's like that friend that you always hang out with, and all of a sudden you stop hanging out with them, you kind of distance yourself from that friend. That's like uh, yeah, that's like friendships in the Sims video game. That's exactly how I stole it from them. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's the Sims. But you have to have a good reason. You can't just go, hey, I'm calling the Avengers up to say, how you doing there, guy? Happy birthday. <laughs> no, you have to have a valid reason to contact them. And then if the GM can also look at the chart, obviously, and make a roll, depending on what's going on. So if, say you don't speak to the Avengers for four or five sessions and you drop down to poor. Also, you're like, oh, no, I need help. Let's call the Avengers. Well, you roll on the chart. You haven't spoken to them in a long time. You're going to need to at least get a yellow on the chart to, for them to at least respond. So that's how I've done it. Oh, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Just, a, you know, kind of an inventive way to get things, you know, right. keep, let players be interested in context. So just, haha, I know the Avengers and I can call them whenever I want, right. even though I haven't spoken to them in one year. Right. So back to the game. <laughs> so my character's role, he's an alien, obviously. So he rolled four powers out of four. So that means he would no longer get any new powers, but he gets to have four powers. Now, in my games, I've allowed players to leave spots blank. How about you guys? Matt, have you done that? No. Um, in any game I've ran, we've actually filled every spot of their initial – that they rolled for initial starting. So that okay. way they just – yeah. they That way they're at their full starting potential at the start. Okay. What about you, Chad? Well, it depends. Uh, I t typically, I, I do allow people to leave one blank, but not, say you have an initial three powers, but you really only want two powers, okay? So if you tell me in advance, I'm only going to be using two of my powers. What I may do then for you is say, all right, you can you can get rid of that third one, and in return, I'll take, uh, I'll give you column shifts to the one you call your primary power. 
if you have, uh, say, mm, say you have uh, energy control uh, with electricity and you also have movement of flight, electricity is probably, we'll say, the one you chose to be your principal power. And you had a third power that you could could have rolled, but you opted not to even go for that. Uh, I'll give you a couple of column shifts. So if you had energy control electricity at uh, Remarkable, you may now have it at Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. I... If you wanted to even get into like a point buy system, you could roll up your character. Then if you wanted to take away from a skill or a power, do that and just figure out how much karma it would cost to advance from where you end up to where you were. And then you gain that much karma and then you can spend that karma to increase something else. Oh, that's a good one, too. There you go. I'd let people leave it blank if they're playing characters such as mutants or robots. Uh Maybe altered humans, but uh, high techs as well. I mean, you never know when you grow into an ability or find something new right. along the way or increase some ability by, especially a mutant. You never know. Right. Yeah. You right. get that secondary mutation. And like, if you look at Beast, he wasn't originally blue and furry. He, that happened over time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess uh, there's two ways of looking at it. Are you actually getting rid of one of your potential powers? Or are you simply making it a potential power as opposed to a starting power? Yeah. Something to discuss with your GM in detail when you're playing the game. But anyway. So my character had his full four or four powers and decided I'm going to go gung-ho and get all four. Made my rolls. I basically, you start off by rolling on the chart. Or you can pick, most depending on your GM, obviously. But I roll because I like to just roll, see what happens. The power categories start with resistances, senses, movement, matter control, energy control, body control, distant attacks, excuse me, mental powers. And then you got body alterations, offensive, body alterations, defensive. From there, once you roll there, like I rolled a distant attack, and I would jump over to the distant attack table, which you can also pick or roll a D10 and pick one of the D10. Each one would be different. Mine, I got corrosive missile attacks, so that was mine. But you can also pick, so you want to pick something else. If there, Each table has its own set of 10 powers. If there's a star next to it, that's usually considered a double power slot. So, for example, if I rolled, there's not on this table, but the next table, I rolled energy control. And let's say I decide to pick uh, time control has a star next to it or an asterisk, which basically means it would take up two power slots. So that'd be my second and my third power. And I know there was another reason for the star. I forget what it is offhand. Yeah, some powers will also let you pick another power as well. Like if you roll swimming, you can pick water breathing as an additional power that counts against your number of slots. Yeah, exactly. It has doddered into it a second power. Yes, there you go. But don't forget, though, Vince, if you're playing a alien, you get one less power than what you rolled to start with. Very correct. So after you go through your powers and uh, stat them all and get them all written down, you can do all at once, or you can jump over to get to column four on the uh, where you would generate your primary abilities to roll to see what your power rank of your power would be. 
Like for distance attacks, I had corrosive missiles. I jump over to column four. And I'd roll on there to see what it would be. And I got an incredible for that one. And I write next to it incredible. At the lowest ranked number, obviously. Now, I remember reading this book way back when. (laughs) And going, how the heck do I figure out what my powers are? Because it really wasn't clear on here. At least it wasn't to me back in the day. Obviously, because I was young. And really didn't care about reading every single word. I couldn't figure out where it was. But it does plainly say if you keep reading on ahead and not impatient, it does say roll on column four when generating your power abilities. So anyway, after you get done with all those and you got all your powers done with all the ranks, such as the rest of mine were energy control. I had electric manipulation. I got a monstrous for that. And I got body control and visibility incredible. And then finally, I had body alteration offensive paralyzing touch with a feeble which isn't good, but, you know, whatever. Finally, we flip over to the talents. You can also pick or roll yet again. And the talents are weapon skills, fighting skills, professional skills, uh, scientific skills, myth and mental skills, and then other skills. Basically, weapon skills are self-explanatory. You can be a weapons master, different types of weapons. Fighting skills are different fighting styles like martial arts. A, B, C, D, and E. And if you look at the back of the book, they explain what each of them are. Um, let's see here. Professional skills would be like your background. Like Matt was telling one of his characters had a, um, a medicine-type background so that he was able to heal <laughs> saber-toothed feet when he pulled them off or to oxygen, which is funny. Scientific skills, obviously, a scientific background like chemistry, biology, geology, things like that. Mystic and mental abilities like... Uh, Kind of like Doctor Strange Origins, Occult Lore, uh, Sleight of Hand. You can be a magician, which they have an example of a mutant becoming a magician, which is kind of funny. And then other skills that we talked about, some things like artist, languages, actual first aid, repair, tinkering. Then you got a mutant mutant uh, trivia guy. You're really good in trivia. That's your other skill. Yay. And also they have the asterisk next to them as well, which I believe is also counts for a double, right, guys? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. So it depends on the, the talent, which can also give you bonuses in combat, depending on, like, martial arts styles. Each of them will allow you to do column shifts or ignore certain parts of, uh, like, a body armor on a character. If you take two rounds to study, you can get a bonus on your attacks. And then you finally do your contacts which you can uh, basically just kind of pick off the list here if you want. It goes down different types of medicine, law, law, enforcement, military, genetics, archaeology, physics, computers, electronics, blah, 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 blah. Just gives you kind of an idea where to start, and it gives you a bunch of examples of what they would pick, what they would do. And then it's self-explanatory contacts. You could do different superhero groups if your GM allows it. Or if you're an alien, you could say it's a, someone from your home planet that you have contact with, things like that. It all depends on how you, how much role play you want to put into your character. So that's basically the character in a nutshell right there. But now we have to wrap it all up. Now it's a matter of taking all of those random roles and actually making a cohesive character that actually has some sort of sense to him, hopefully. Exactly, or as I call it, making sense of the roles. Yes. <laughs> This is where you want to form what your character is going to be, the actual character himself. Now you just you just have numbers on a piece of paper right now. You want to fill in these 
all the blanks, like his age, his name, his secret name, unless you, you know, a secret identity name, if you want to do that as well, what he looks like, how he acts, you know, things like that. You know, there's some, they have a bunch of, they have a checklist here in the book. What is your character's fighting name? What is the character's alter ego? The character's male or female or what? <laughs> how tall is the character? How does the character look like? Where does the character operate? Where does the hero live? Does the hero have any context other than the ones provided by the generation system? It goes into some big detail. You're not just having a piece of paper with numbers on it. They want you to think about your superhero. Exactly. At the end of the day, you know, this is a living, breathing PC. Yeah. So while some of the powers you might get look like, well, I see nothing about these powers that match <laughs> that could, you know, I can fly and I can shoot laser beams out of my eyes. You know, where's the cohesion and all of this? This is where you really need to collaborate with your game master to come up with uh, reasonings behind these paired or various powers. And, you know, uh, as examples, I think all three of us created characters uh, randomly, and maybe we could go through each of our characters now and, and explain how we made them work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'll go first. I've already rattled off earlier all the stats, so I'll just, as a quick refresher, uh, fighting with incredible, agility good, strength remarkable, uh, endurance excellent, uh, reason remarkable, uh, intuition amazing with a psyche of remarkable. For resource, hey, yep. Matt, maybe you could also go through and, and just explain if you have a strength of remarkable, how strong are you? Strength of remarkable is about the strongest Captain America. Yeah. He's a little stronger than your – the upper lengths of uh, humans is excellent. If you're a human with no modifications, a mutant, chemicals being spilled on you and giving you powers, excellent. So just above the tip of uh, human uh, – peak human fitness is remarkable. So like with the incredible fighting – I'm better than the best black belt in the world in hand-to-hand combat, thanks to my altered human status. Yeah, if you have an incredible fighting ability, which, oddly enough, so does my character, then you're on par with the likes of Nick Fury or Wolverine. And the box set for the advanced Marvel game in the second book, the GM book, uh, actually gives a great uh, table that allows you to see your score and compare it to actual characters, heroes from the Marvel universe. Right. It's like with my reason that or or my intuition, that's my highest score of amazing, an amazing uh, intuition. We're talking like Professor X, when he's able to just sense what people are doing due to his mental powers. That would be page five. You can see some of the differences between the powers and what's, what it relates to for strength. Like, what did you say you had, uh, Matt? For strength, remarkable. That would be equivalent to Beast or Doctor Doom. Able to press up to 2,000 pounds or one ton. Yeah. So they're, they just give you kind of an idea what they look like. Right. Age, and the, age six. Yeah, and that chart will also give you an uh, idea of what the different ranks mean and for every skill. So it's kind of, it's very rough, the broad in determining like how much you can lift 
uh, how smart exactly. you are and all that. It, it, it's not like hard numbers. And something to remember, too, if you do have, say, the ability to lift, say your strength is in excess of what a normal human can be, you don't have to count that against your total powers, which is kind of nice. Right. So you could be a, as strong as Spider-Man lifting 10 tons and you don't have to then mark off the uh, powers, the, the number of powers. It doesn't, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't take the place of one of your role powers. So it's kind of like an extra power. Yeah, it, right. It, because your powers in this game are things that put you above and beyond than ju- other than just your physical and mental capacity. Because they assume everyone has uh, some special power. Uh, something that makes them stand out when it comes to their actual skills. Right. So it would be basically powers that are more than simply uh, heightened attributes. Right. And then when I went to uh, determine my resources, I got typical. So I had no change from the baseline. So he's basically like your average middle-class person in the terms of his wealth. For popularity, I chose that he doesn't have a secret identity. His name is going to be his superhero name as well. So his popularity becomes excellent since your typical superhero starts at good and gets modified by plus 10 for choosing to have a public identity. For powers, I've rolled uh, three and I got regeneration, swimming, and sound generation all at good. So he has some powers. They're not like, oh, blow away powers, but there's something to work there. And then for talents, I got uh, repair slash tinkering and bow. And then for contacts, I had one. So at this point, I started thinking of a concept. I'm like, well, since I got bow and I only have one contact, how about I say Hawkeye mentored me in the bow? So Hawkeye will be my contact. And then I decided, you know, I'm going to go all 80s here and say my character was actually working for the East Germans, like working on some machinery or something, you know, using like particle accelerators or something. And something went horribly wrong. And that's how he got his powers. And it made him like a super genius. So they started making him work on all these kind of evil doomsday projects because anything East German or Russian in the 80s was evil. Uh, And then... And then eventually he realized, you know, I'm working for people that are evil. So he defected and wanted to, like, be an Avenger because he's like, hey, that'll be a good idea to, like, actually have, like, the Avengers protecting me from, say, the East Germans and the Russians. So he tried to join. at the, Around the same time, Hawkeye decided, hey, I'm going to be a West Coast Avenger. So your East Coast Avengers decided, you know, we could probably use another guy with a bow. Hawkeye, go and train uh our good fellow here in the bow. So Hector Freytag is his name. And <laughs> yes, I actually used the Gary Gygax book of extraordinary names, flipped oh, to a random page and pointed at name. And that's how I got that. It's cool. Okay. So I actually even went with random name generation. Cool. Oh, nice. You really did go random. Yeah. And that's actually how I came up with the East German connection. I actually just spun to like a modern day German name. So I'm like, hmm, German, I'll make him East German, and, and it's spun from there. So, and 
and his powers with the regeneration, the swimming and sound generation, I'll say he actually uses his sound generation to put uh, sonic powers in like the arrows he'll shoot. Kind of like how Hawkeye has his trick bows. Well, this guy just makes his own trick arrows. Whereas Hawkeye actually has to produce them. He can just take any random uh, arrow and be like, boom, this has like a sonic vibration to it. And once it hits, it like explodes in like a sonic boom. Oh, I was thinking you were kind of like the ranger in the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Oh, yeah. Actually, you could I could even go that route, too. You could go that route, too. That might be kind of cool. Yeah, I, I have a sonic bow, an arrow I shoot. Because it's all about the, the marketing and the merchandising at this point. They really want someone with the bow gimmick. So that's the only way he could get in the Avengers is by taking up the bow. Oh, yeah. And you could say that the very thrum of the bowstring, you then shape into an arrow and you amplify it and shape it into an arrow. Right. And then also having Hawkeye as a mentor works as well since he's deaf and isn't harmed by my sonic powers. Very nice. So he's the one who could actually tolerate training with me for that extended period as I'm setting off all these little sonic booms. Hawkeye became deaf? Yeah, Hawkeye wears a hearing aid. Oh, I didn't know that. I was not a huge Avengers fan, though, so that's probably why I didn't know that. Yeah, in the Judges book, I think that actually lists one of his uh, limitations. It's a good limitation. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, Hawkeye actually has what's called protected senses. Hawkeye is 80% death when not wearing hearing aids, giving him excellent protection against sonic attacks, but making him unable to hear normal sounds from more than one area away. And my sonic generation power is only good, so he has remarkable protection. I'm not hurting him. He just has to take his hearing aid out. Hmm. (laughs) So when it was all said and done, Matt, what did you end up with for your character name? He... Actually, he's just going by his real name. The Avengers decided it'd be a good PR to say, hey, we now have a defective East German. And they're just totally playing up his background. And cool. so he is just Hector Freytag. Ah, okay. You know what? I missed. You did mention that already. So, so basically, he's like, we've adopted this East German who's going to tell us all about their doomsday devices and we're going to save the world. Thanks to him. Well, that's a good example, Matt. Uh, let me just roll over my character real quick. Uh, we'll go over it, and then Chad will jump in to wrap things up with his character, and then we'll wrap up the show. My character, I rolled, obviously, an alien origin, and he went for following the face-rip scale. He went down incredible, poor, amazing, monstrous, amazing, monstrous, and then good. Uh, his resources he came out with, uh, he's supposed to start with a poor, or I could take a chance on the chart. And I did, and I did excellent, so it's not too bad. His uh, identity is secret, and uh, so he's going to be with the zero popularity slash zero popularity right now. Obviously, we know his powers and his talents. Uh, he picked, he got rolled a weapon, which was I decided was going to be a katana after rolling on the chart. His profession is going to be crime, and I'll explain that in a minute. And his fighting was martial arts D, which allows him to study a person in battle and then ignore the body armor and then attack with a column shift. His contacts, he only gets one no matter what, according to the book, so I only gave him one. Now, his background basically is this. He was a criminal from the planet Runtuk, and his name is Torvon, and his secret identity is Elector. 
Now, he fell. He was kicked out of his planet, pretty much. Came to Earth, uh, and he was badly wounded on the in- entrance to Earth, and he was found by the Brotherhood of Fang Li. The Brotherhood of Fang Li nursed him back to health and t- tried to change his attitude in life and taught him how to use his katana and uh, his martial arts skills and kind of tried to discipline him to the point that he would become a better person. They knew of his origin. They knew how he would be in life, and they kind of disciplined him to a point. But being a criminal, you're pretty much always going to be a criminal no matter what. So when he does fight crime, he tries to remain good, but if there's a chance to swipe those dollars on the table and get away with it, he will. He doesn't have a problem doing that, so that's why his background is kind of crime. And I believe that was it about him. So that's just his background and his story. He's a pretty simple character named Elector. Chad, what about yours? Okay, well, when I made my character, and he, I ended up rolling as an origin. He's a mutant, so he's going to get one extra power. Uh, his attributes came out to be... Fighting incredible, so he's on par with Nick Fury and Wolverine. So right there, I already know that he's a combat hand-to-hand oriented type hero. I rolled a good for agility, so he's fast. Uh, he's basically on par with uh, actually with uh, Colossus or Wolverine, meaning he has decent reflexes, a little bit better than average. His strength is remarkable, which allows him to bench press up to a ton. So he's on the he's on par with Beast, and that's going to pair very nicely with his fighting ability. He has a remarkable endurance, which gives him a more or less Captain America type uh, endurance. So he, we know he has he is he exercises intensely. His reason is typical, so you know nothing too special about him in the intelligence department. His intuition, though, is incredible. So he obviously is in touch or in tune with his environment around him. And that would put him right there with Captain America or Doctor Doom as far as intuition is concerned. But his psyche is not uh, the best. He has a poor psyche. So when it comes to things of a, say, mental attacks or magical attacks, he is going to be at a disadvantage. Now, his health is 96. His karma is 44. uh, His resources are actually good. And this is even after I subtracted a column on his resources because he is a mutant. And mutants always start with a minus one column shift. Uh, actually, they start with a minus two column shift, I believe, to their resources. So even though I rolled and uh, actually, you know what? I'm sorry. It was only one. I rolled for he had a excellent resources, but then it went down to good because he's a mutant and his popularity is zero. But when he is in his hero identity, it goes down to minus five even because people don't tend to trust people in mass they they're hiding something so he does take the hit in popularity for that now for his powers i rolled matter control uh and the type of matter control he can control or the type of matter he can control is earth control so he can control rocks and things like that and he can do it at an incredible 
ability, which makes him actually fairly good at manipulating Earth. He also has distance attacks, slashing missile, which is at remarkable. And to kind of tie that in with his matter control, I've decided that that is translated as he can produce rock-like shurikens or shrapnel. He also has body alterations, offensive, in the form of extra attacks. So he's very fast, and this ties in well with his fighting. He has a high fighting ability. It makes sense, then, that his... Uh, power gives him extra attacks. And then finally, because he is a mutant, he does get one extra power. Because when I initially rolled up the number of powers he starts with, he only had three. But being a mutant, now he's at four. Which, because his potential is only for four powers, we depending on the GM, it may be that he's already reached his potential, or he could still have one more lying in the background as he evolves or 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 becomes better at what he does. That's really more up to the GM, I think. But that one being enhanced senses. And I chose touch because I decided that if he is so grounded with the earth, then he might have the ability to sense vibrations whenever he is standing on the ground, Uh, which in a way is also giving him a weakness because if you bring him up into the air, maybe he doesn't have that ability anymore. And as a GM, if I were to have a player give me that, I might even give him a plus one column shift on his enhanced senses because he's willing to take the limitation of must be standing or in touch with the earth. For talents, he has fighting skills. And I chose martial arts D, which gives him the ability to ignore all forms of body armor, but not force fields if he takes two rounds to study his opponent. And that will give him a plus two column shift whenever then attacking with his martial arts D. And I called it Eastern Dragon style Kung Fu because my character is actually from China. And this is all shaping up in my mind as I'm going through this. And finally, well, actually finally for the talents, I rolled professional skills and I took engineering. So... I decided, hey, maybe he was one of the uh, people in China responsible for engineering Three Gorges Dam, for instance, before he defected to the United States. So with all of that said, I have to put it all together. And I came up with, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I forgot one thing. Contacts. I took Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu, who was his teacher. Uh (laughs) Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. Now, with all of that put together... My character's name is Chen Lung, and his hero name is Kai Ren. And I came up with that because I was looking at at what I had come up with, and I thought, hmm, I like the idea of the Eastern Earth Dragon, one of the Oriental Dragons, you might say. So he's based around that kind of a concept. I, I, I envision him as a is wearing an outfit, maybe like the lower part, kind of like Iron Fist, but without a shirt and maybe a dragon tattoo on his chest and a uh, mask. And he uses a combination of Kung Fu and his ability to, to you know, produce these shrapnel-like shurikens of rock when he's fighting somebody. And he uses a very meditative 
form of martial arts or kung fu that he learned from Shang-Chi. And that's pretty much how my character Kyren came about. Cool. So, okay, that's going to wrap up the Marvel Advanced System, but I just want to point out a few links, obviously, so you can get from more reading going down there. You can obviously go to Classic Marvel Forever and download just about every single one of the Marvel books for free. Uh, there's also the retro, I should say the, uh, I guess it's a retro b- version of the book called Four Color System Core Rules. You can find that in RPG now for free. Yep. It's only 34 pages, and you can use it for pretty much any system, any universe you want. It doesn't have to be superheroes. And also, I want to point out one really cool site, and I've used it for many, many times. It's uh, it's called, is that Techno 13? Techno alcohol techno i don't know 13 i'll put a link for it but they have stuff for transformers and gi joe using the uh marvel or the face rip system and i have played games where you used gi joe characters in it and it came out pretty well so if you want to play that or transformers what i would think would be a really cool game to play transformers oh definitely yeah and you know what you mentioned gi joe you could do marvel set in the world war ii era and do something like Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos. Oh, definitely. But this dude took the time to actually stat out every one, like sorted by year for G.I. Joe. You can go back to 1982, and for example, I pulled up, let's see, Marvel Classics, and then there is right there, find somebody else that's so popular, Clutch. General Flag, Flash, uh, General Slam, Grunt, Hawk, Rock and Roll, Scarlet. He has all right here. Duke, Flint, everything. So Snake Eyes. Yeah, Snake Eyes. And then they go for the Cobra system, uh, Cobra side, Cobra Commander. Major Blood, who was one of my favorite guys. <laughs> Always loved Major Blood. Uh, but yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> Had to throw in a wrestling reference there. Wouldn't be the show without it. No. And then Roddy Piper even became a G.I. Joe later. He did? Yeah. They actually made really? a San Diego Comic Con Roddy Piper G.I. Joe. Uh, wow. Yeah. They're really uh, needing some recruits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but one other thing I'd, I'd mention too is there are sites out there where you can take the face rip rules and apply them also to DC Comics. I know of a site where you yeah. can find all the DC heroes and they are translated into the Marvel rules. I think they're also on this site too. Maybe what you're talking about. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that too. That was most of my games back in the eighties was DC. Cause that's what I knew mostly. And then you can also use the DC hero game, but maybe we'll get into that another time. Another day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very different system that DC heroes and, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, and there's a couple of actual different uh companies that put out DC Hero type games. I think there is actually DC Heroes and that's actually it it's a it's an interesting game, but it's much more complicated. Yeah, DC Heroes was Mayfair and then West End did DC Universe. Right. Horrible. Exactly. Horrible. And I think DC Heroes had three different uh editions. Yeah. They had the first edition, then they had the Batman, the role-playing game to capitalize on the 1989 Batman game. Then the second edition came out. Then the third edition came out. Then there was a dispute between the license between Mayfair and DC, and then this private group bought it, made Blood of Heroes, which was considered fourth edition. Then they got sued, pulled off, so no one owns it right now. (laughs) 
Now oh, it's, wow. it's sitting in utter limbo right now. Yeah. And you can even play Kiss. Yes, if you, you can want. Yeah. That's definitely fun. But anyway, that's uh that's Marvel. We hope you've enjoyed the Marvel listen to it and actually go out there and grab the books and start playing and right. And then having- there's even an act- the actual play is still up on our actual play feed for the one session you ran of Marvel? Or like, two, I think. Yeah, Stanley Presents Marvel. Yes. Action. Something Excelsior! Like yes, it's like Stanley Presents the Marvel Action Hour or something like that. Yeah, Glenn was in that, and he's like, you have to call it Stanley Presents. I'm like, fine, Stanley Presents. Yes. Like, great, now Stanley owns it. But, you know, you can find that on our RFI website if you go to RFIPodcast.com. And, and there's an, a link actually at the very top that says actual play. Let me just make sure it's still there while we're talking because we had our website updated recently by the great Jim Wampler who did the new design for all the websites if you take a look. Yes. Very there, cool. We kind of do like a format. But, uh, yes, it's actually still at the top, actual play podcast. You click on that, and it brings you to our uh, – 24 episodes, including the Q&A of the book Sorrows, The Legend of Fin Fang Foom, Oriental Adventures, and the uh, Stan Lee TSR era Marvel role-playing game. And then we also have uh, our community podcast that uh, Drama Man from the OSR Gaming Forums, he did a series of his own podcasts, and he recorded them, and we put them up for him as well. So there you go. And wow. Jason's old podcast, I know people keep asking me about those. I have no idea what happened to those. I probably have some somewhere sitting on my computer because because his sessions were so long we split them up into hour chunks so it would be like session four part one session four part two session four part three and so i might be able to dig those up somewhere when we moved from the uh, podbeam site right before we left they erased all the files oh ouch how i lost jason's files i couldn't get them downloaded fast enough when they yeah. When we cancel the subscription to them, so yeah, I th- I may have them sitting on my computer somewhere. So I'll see if I can find them and we can uh, restore them. So that way we have a complete OSR uh, actual play. Otherwise, we have some lost issues out there. And if anyone happens to have them, like hiding in their uh, basement, like Doctor Who shows, <laughs> <laughs> let us know. Yeah, I have Doctor Who. Great game. He's in your basement, actually, Doctor Who. Well, just the TARDIS. Uh, I haven't been able to get in. Yet. <laughs> All right. So uh, that'll wrap up the show this week. We appreciate you listening. Uh, make sure to go to uh, iTunes and give us a rating. As usual, we'll read any rating. One to five stars. Give us an email, staff at gmail.com. Or you could um, send us a voicemail, 570-865-4210. Visit us on the osrgaming.org forums or... Visit us at d20radio.com where there's a bunch of fine, fine podcasts there, including the Order 66 podcast. Oh, and Vince, one thing I, I just wanted to add, too. No. Don't forget <laughs> Nexus Con, Gamehole Con, and Gary Con all this year coming up. Absolutely. That Game Society will be at all of them. As we get closer, Chad, you definitely have to remind everybody to meet you there and greet you there. Awesome. So if there's nothing else, nope. bad. Nope. Got nothing. Keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night. Enough said. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield are killed. If he's led to a fight and a duel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come true when Captain America throws his mighty shield.
should feel. He's a cool exec with a heart of steel. And Iron Man, oh, just a place. He's like 